Do miracles verified by doctors still happen today? Can modern miracles somehow demonstrate the reliability of biblical miracle accounts? Well, this is the Deep Questions Podcast, and I'm your host, Chase Thompson, a pastor and writer in Salinas, California. Today, we are going to finish up our interview with Dr. Craig Keener. If you have not heard episode one of this podcast that features part one of that interview, I want to encourage you to listen to that first. Dr. Keener is an absolutely fascinating guest who is a well-known New Testament scholar and probably the foremost scholar in the entire world on the subject of miracles. He has written a massive academic two-volume commentary on miracles that weighs in at over 1,200 pages, and also a more recent, much more accessible and readable book on miracles called Miracles Today that is a book that has absolutely blown my mind as I have gone through it. So we're going to be talking to Dr. Keener today about miracles. He's going to share a miracle of a woman that was literally sent home to die, who had been in the hospital for much of her life, her muscles atrophied, and God suddenly healed her, including healing her muscles, growing back muscle tone, enabling her to walk and breathe and see, yes, she was blind, this story is going to blow you away. And it's not made up, it's verified by multiple doctors and nurses and several people that were personal eyewitnesses of this case that were medical professionals. Oh, one thing before we cast off and get into the second part of our interview, I do want to mention our website, which is deepquestionspod.com. I want to encourage you to go check it out, and if you have a question for us to cover on the show, or you want to leave a comment... And look, even if you're a skeptic, how about especially if you're a skeptic, a critic, an atheist, an agnostic, and you want to leave a snarky comment or a barbed criticism or whatever, go ahead and do it. That's great. We love skeptics, critics, and atheists around here, and we want to hear from you. Every episode of the show has a blog post with links, notes, and a transcript. So be sure to go check out our website, deepquestionspod.com. It also helps us when you subscribe to the show, leave a review, and tell a friend, and even share the show on social media. If you wouldn't mind, do that. That would be awesome. So, Dr. Keener, how about one more miracle story that'll blow us away? Can you tell us a little bit about Barbara Comiskey and her miraculous healing from MS? Yeah, she had she had a really severe case of MS, and so... For 15 years, she had been physically deteriorating. Uh, And I have the reports in this case from uh, all three of her doctors. Uh, All all three of them I have have in writing. Two of them I interviewed directly, and then uh, one, you know, (laughs) he already published an article on this. She was, and and by the way, it's not just Christians who publish articles on this. I, um, I don't always know what somebody's religious background is, but um, <laughs> there's another interesting article by an atheist who, you know, he contributes to a book on miracles, an article, an essay. One of his patients was pretty much an atheist, was dying just the very edge of, of death when a, a Greek Orthodox 
priest prayed for the guy, and the guy was instantly and completely healed. And the, the atheist doctor says, you know, if this isn't a miracle, I don't know what we'd call one. Um, but anyway, they're, they're, and, and uh, Jacqueline Duffin, I think, is an, if she's still uh, an atheist, uh, an atheist medical historian who documents a lot of cases too. But um, getting back to the one you asked about, I'm sorry, I'm ADHD, <laughs> which helps me making interdisciplinary connections, but it also uh, makes me very entertaining <laughs> to my students when I go off on. It also makes it very hard for me to sit for ten hours a day. Uh, but anyway, uh, I can get into hyper focus. So. Uh, Barbara Comiskey, for 15 years, she had been deteriorating physically, spent like half of that time in in the hospital. This time, though, after she left the hospital, the doctors told her family she won't be back. And they they all agreed on a don't resuscitate order. Uh, she, her, her muscles were so paralyzed, she was hooked up to a machine because her diaphragm was paralyzed, she had to be hooked up to the machine to help her to breathe. She had gone blind. Uh, that wasn't muscular, I guess, but she'd gone blind. And in her words, her hands were curled up like pretzels. Her whole body was curled up like pretzels, but her hands were so curled up that every couple months they had to uncurl her hands with great difficulty to get the dead skin out. Um, there was no way she could be stood flat on the floor because her feet were totally curled up. And they put out a prayer request for her. It was given on, on Moody Radio. Uh, and a bunch of people sent in letters. This was back in the day when we actually used hard copy letters. And they and people said they were praying for her. She had a couple of friends visiting her and they were reading the letters when suddenly she heard a she heard a voice off to the side saying, my child, rise up and walk. And she started, you know, she could still like make some motions with her motions with her eyes, even though she couldn't see through them. So, I mean, it wasn't like there was nothing that worked, but uh, so they, they uh, unplugged the, the breathing tube and she gasped out, get mom. <laughs> and so they, they, they ran to get her, her mom, but, the Lord just gave her such confidence that she couldn't even wait for her mom to get into the room and for them to get back. She jumped out of the bed, which was technically physically yes. impossible for her. First thing she noticed were, were her feet were flat on the floor, which was impossible <laughs> uh, physically. Second thing she noticed were her hands were uncurled. Third, third thing she noticed was that she was seeing these <laughs> things with her eyes. And, and normally when we have these accounts, you know, God will... God may heal the person, but your muscles are still atrophied. It's still going to take you time to, you know, learn how to relearn how to walk and stuff after 15 years. But in her case, her muscles weren't even atrophied. I mean, that's like a total, a total makeover. She she ran out of the room. You know, she she called for her dad. By this time, her mom and the friends had come back, but she called out to her dad, Dad, Dad. And he figured it was her sister calling. You know, he didn't he didn't imagine it was Barbara. So she ran out. And he waltzed her around the room. Her her fit her feet hit the uh, 
the outside, it was like, I think she's in like 95, 96 degrees outside at that time. What a nice thought right now. And um, yeah, and, and, and it, it, it totally blew the minds of all of her doctors. It made, it made the news. Uh, there were people wanting to do documentaries on it back then, but uh, her, one of her doctors said, you have your choice. You can either go through with all this publicity or you can just go out and live your life. She said, I'm going to go out and live my life. But, you know, it was, it was already in the news. Her doctors had, had the documentation for it and so on. So, um, and she, this was 1981. There was no recurrence. She lived healthy life, a wife of a Wesleyan pastor next 40 years. Well, she wasn't the wife for 40 years, but I mean, Eventually, she got married. She actually helped one of the doctors with some some medical stuff. She got some medical training, you know, to give back to the medical uh, community that had given her so much along the way. Um, she finally passed away from COVID um, just wow. a few months ago, much to the sadness of those of us who knew her. But forty years, no recurrence of MS. It's it's astounding. It's uh, particularly astounding because. You, as you mentioned, you have the testimony of three of her doctors and the nurses, and uh, that's the thing about uh, if you've never read this book or, or uh, Dr. Kaner's other volume, that's the thing. These are not just uh, stories that were told on a street corner that somebody uh, maybe posted on Facebook after an email forward. These these incidences, not stories, these incidences, these happenings are are just documented by and attested by doctor after doctor, not nurse after nurse, documentation after documentation. Now, of course, every miracle isn't. Uh, is sometimes they're not witnessed by uh, video or whatever. But speaking of, you actually have several uh, miracles that were caught on video, that were caught on uh, photographs and things like that. And it's just overwhelming in the best possible sense of overwhelming to read this book and get all these miracles. Well, let's shift into the second deep question because we want to get you out of here in a few minutes. Uh, um, All of these thousands of miracle stories, I, I don't suppose they necessarily prove the existence of the God of the Bible or the inerrancy of the Bible or whatever. They definitely have evidentiary value. So what place do these miracle testimonies have in evangelism and apologetics? How should the body of Christ use these testimonies? When I, when I started working on the first book, it wasn't from the position of let's, let's prove um, God. It was from, it was responding to the people who were saying, uh, miracles disprove the Bible because the Bible talks about miracles and we know miracles can't happen because there are no credible eyewitnesses for miracles. So I was responding to that and saying, look, you can't say that these things couldn't have happened in the Bible because we've got plenty of accounts of these things happening today. You can explain them however you want to. You can say, okay, that's a that's a one-off. That's really weird. <laughs> I've had people say that. That's really weird. <laughs> uh, but you can't just say those things don't happen because demonstrably those things do happen and demonstrably we do have eyewitnesses for them. And again, you know, medical documentation in many cases. So that was, that was where I started. It was just dealing with something within my own discipline as a new Testament scholar and uh, grateful to those in other disciplines like the doctors who've compiled reports and, and so on. Some of these 
re recently, there have been more things published in medical journals that have been very helpful for this as well. But, um, but again, you know, how do you explain them? Well, based on different worldviews, we're going to explain them in different ways. Um, but it looks to me like, okay, well, we, we do have a God who cares about us. A God is benevolent. But then, you know, Christians also are hit with, by skeptics with the very real problem mm -hmm. of suffering. And miracles aren't a panacea for the world's sufferings, but they show us as Christians what God cares about. God cares about people. He cares about, like, when he multiplied food. We have some accounts of that today, too. But when he, when he multiplied food, he cares about people's hunger. When he multiplied, um, or, or when he stilled storms, he cares about people's safety. When he healed the sick, he cares about people's health. And so these are things, you know, they give us leads. So Christians who work in healthcare, Christians who work in providing food for people or economic development or um, tornado shelters or whatever, you know, we're, 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 we're carrying on that kind of work. Um, and then also those of us who pray for these things, you know, we're, 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 these are things God cares about, but there's still the issue. God doesn't do it all the time. If God did it all the time, who would listen to Craig Keener? I mean, we'd have the apostle Paul right here with us. He would have, Every time he died, he would have got raised again, right? <laughs> so, I mean, great, you know, Hudson Taylor and, and, you know, all these great heroes of the faith from the 1800s, they're not with us anymore. But in the Bible, miracles are not meant to be a cure for yeah. everything, to raise everybody from the dead and so on. Miracles, like what we see in, in Matthew 11.5 and Luke 7.22, or in Matthew 12, 28, and Luke 11, 20. Do I have that right? Anyway, um, miracles are signs yes. of the kingdom. They're a foretaste. They're, there's an eschatological confirmation when God makes all things right, when when God's justice is, you know, his, his day, the day of the Lord, the day of, of justice uh, comes so that, People say, well, the problem of suffering, there's an eschatological answer to that. There's an eschatological answer to injustice. What miracles are, they're a foretaste of that. They're a reminder that God has not forgotten his promise to us, that there's coming a day when he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. So whether he does the miracle for us or for somebody else, it's still a gift to us because it's a reminder of a day that, you know, when as Jesus has been raised from the dead, talk about multiple attestation of witnesses and people credible enough to die for their testimony. But but just as Jesus was raised from the dead, um, someday we who are the body of Christ, in the one sense, will be raised bodily, uh, transformed to be like his own glorious body in uh, the physical sense. Um, I mean, not the present kind of body. Paul speaks of that, you know, different kinds of bodies, but um, but uh, an incorruptible, uh, well, better to translate it, imperishable mm. um, 
immortal body. So there is an eschatological answer, but he's already given us um, a foretaste of that in the present. And in terms of, you know, in a Western apologetic context, they, they, they help us, they don't hurt us. But in contexts where uh, power encounters are, are the big thing, um, you know, in, in many cultures, like I said earlier, that's, that's the main way people are coming to faith in Christ. Uh, you know, you see that in the book of Acts. You have Apollos who can argue an argument really well, make a really good case. You have the Jerusalem apostles who probably couldn't do that so well, but, you know, they had, they had miracles, uh, signs and wonders. And then you have Paul who could do both. Um, so there are different contexts and different ways that we can make the case for, for Christ, but all these are God's gifts to us. He's given so much evidence, but sometimes people will say, well, if he doesn't do it this way, um, so I have to see somebody raised from the dead in front of me or, you know, not, not even that. My name has to be written in the clouds across the sky. <laughs> God won't jump through yeah, our hopes. He's given us evidence and it's up to us whether we'll accept it or not. But I think he's given us plenty of evidence. Completely agree. One of the strongest objections against miracles that somebody might have is, you know, I prayed for a miracle and it didn't happen. Uh, my dad died. Uh, you know, I have cancer and God hasn't healed me, that that sort of thing. And you read the Bible and, and you see miracles are rare. Uh, encounters with God didn't happen every day, even for the giants of the faith. I mean, Moses was uh, around 80 when he first heard from God. And you'll find times in Abraham's life where he went over a decade without having a recorded encounter with God. And and, and so miracles are not common, uh, you know, almost by definition. I remember an incident a few years ago. I, I believe in miracles. I pray for healing and things like that. And I was teaching a college class and one of the ladies in the class came came up and asked me to pray for her. Uh, she was sick. And I remember laughing internally because at that time, my kids, uh, I have five kids, uh, all of whom, or at least four and a half of them have asthma. At that time, they'd been going through like really hard sicknesses. And I was praying for them morning, noon, and night. And uh, at the time, I was frustrated because God hadn't answered my prayer. So she asked me to pray. I chuckled on the inside. I put my hand on her shoulder, prayed for her. She messaged me that afternoon, like two or three hours later, and said, Pastor, I'm miraculously healed. And I believed her. And I was like, well, God, why don't you heal my kids? I've been praying for them for so much. But sometimes we're not going to have the answers to those questions. As you say, he does not jump through our hoop. Um, there, there are explicit cases in the Bible where people weren't healed. Like Elisha died of sickness. He was still so his his bones were still so full of the power of God, they threw a corpse on top of him, the corpse, corpse resuscitated. I think it's 2 Kings 13 or something like that. So um, so we do have, you know, Trophimus, I left at Miletus sick. Uh, Epaphroditus was sick, close to the point of death, but you know, God had mercy on him, Philippians 2. The other one was 2 Timothy 4, I think. So, I mean, we have a lot of, uh, well, not a lot. The Bible is going to tell us more about the healings than the non-healings. We don't really need a whole lot of encouragement to believe in non-healings because we know sure. about those, but um, but it, it doesn't tell us about all the healings either. So, um, but they did happen more in some 
some places than in others. So um, we see we see it all over the place in the Gospels and Acts because the gospel was breaking new ground there. And I think that's where we see it most consistently today as well, is where the gospel is breaking new ground. That's not to say he doesn't do it yes. other times, as we've both mentioned, and in other places. But just to say we see it most consistently where the dramatic ones are, are most needed. But sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't, in the sense that that we're alive is God's gift. I mean, that you know, every moment of life is God's gift. So uh, anyway, I talk too much. So there, there are too many tangents we could go off on. Oh, those that. are those are great clarifications, and you're absolutely right. Um, and and I also appreciate yes. your point about uh, the the pioneering areas of the gospel. You definitely see that in the Bible. Uh, I do not agree with the dispensationalists who who say that there's only uh, a few eras of Scripture where we see miracles. I, I think you're absolutely right. We primarily see it uh, when in places where the gospel is uh, is on the move, on on the expansion, and we don't often see it in church history in areas of enlightenment where. Uh, the easiest thing to do is to call 911 as opposed to uh, uh, hitting your knees and seeking the Lord fervently. And I'm not opposed to calling 911 or doctors or anything like that, of course. Okay, final question. Um, this is from uh, Mark Corbett, who is a part of the CAA Christian Apologetics Alliance Facebook group. Uh, for, for those that are out there, Dr. Keener, that are hungry to see God move wherever they are. They're hungry to see more miracles and more obvious movements of God, knowing God is always moving. But they want to see, they want to see more of the miraculous. They want to see revival. Uh, they want to see um, healings and that sort of thing. Do you have any advice for us? Yeah, I can give, I can give some, uh, but I, but I give them more as a, a researcher in a sense, like there's different gifts. And so my gift is more in the gift of teaching. Like I've said, sometimes, well, maybe I didn't say, sometimes when I pray for people, they get healed. And like you said, uh, and I should have said, sometimes I pray for people, they don't get healed. But, um, And sometimes it's dramatic, and sometimes it's, you know, it just, I mean, if God works through medicine or whatever, that's an answer to prayer. Um, but there are parts of the world where that's not available. And so... Uh, we want to work to make it available, and we want to pray for, for people. Even in the U.S., a lot of the cases, not all of them by any means, well, some of them, the, the Spirit specifically led somebody to pray. Like when uh, Dr. Chauncey Crandall was led to pray for a man who had been flatlined for 40 minutes, and the guy came back. Um, but he'd also prayed for his own son, Chad, who had died of leukemia, and he didn't come back. Um, but on the cutting edge of evangelism, that matters here in the U.S. too. I have a student from New Jersey who, um, he was just out sharing his faith. He met a woman who was deaf on the street. He prayed for her. She was, to her surprise, was instantly healed. Um, so, and actually I've seen that sometimes with um, when we when we're sharing the gospel with people or may, maybe we're just at work you know and it's a co-worker or something but 
we, we stop to offer prayer for them. Usually people don't mind if you pray. I mean, we're not guaranteeing that God will hear our prayer, but we're showing our concern for them in the way that's available to us. Of course, if you're a doctor, go ahead and show concern that way too. But, um, but in, in whatever ways that are available to us. So we pray for them. And sometimes God will heal them and get their attention. So, and also as an apologist, um, when you do find people get healed, it's really great to get the mm-hmm. documentation if it's available. I mean, a lot of times it's not available. Uh, you don't have before and after records. It depends on what it is. But, but if they're available and if it's not going to cause the person to stumble, you know, like you just, you just prayed for me so you could get the documentation or whatever. But, you know, if it's, if it's appropriate, um, try to get the documentation because then the testimony can go further. Often in the Gospels, it says after Jesus healed somebody and everybody glorified God, or at least they were all amazed. The testimony can go further if you can, you know, to a, a skeptical generation, if you can get some of the, the corroboration for it. That is great counsel. Uh, you mentioned prayer. Uh, I read an interview with uh, Pastor Tim Keller earlier today. Uh, Tim Keller was the pastor of Redeemer Church in New York City, retired, um, uh, fighting cancer at the moment. And he was asked the question, um, what is one regret you have uh, of your ministry time? And he gave a one-sentence answer, and it was... Uh, it was wonderful and devastating at, at the same time to hear it as a pastor. He said, I wish I had prayed more. And I, I think that's that's good counsel for anybody seeking a miraculous move of God that uh, we, we abide. John 15, uh, apart from him, we can do nothing. And uh, I think the more, um, I don't know that there's a, you pray 10 hours a day, you're going to see 10 miracles kind of correlation. In fact, I know there's not that kind of correlation, but I do know that the people who have uh, uh, committed their life to pray uh, and to pray for the sick uh, will definitely see more miracles. People like Reese Howells, people like John Praying Hyde, people like Mr. Hickson, the Anglican gentleman you mentioned in your book, uh, well, Dr. Keener, I cannot thank you enough for your time. Uh, we have made a donation to Iris Global, which does ministry in Mozambique, all sorts of ministry, feeding the hungry, taking care of orphans, proclaiming the gospel, praying for the sick and seeing miracles. And I would encourage you, if you are listening to this podcast, to also uh, make a donation to Iris Global and Dr. Keener's honor. Dr. Keener, your time is precious. You are an incredibly busy man, and, and I am so grateful that you have interacted with me by email and that you have spent time here on the podcast. And uh, as, as we prayed before we started, may the Lord use this uh, in mighty ways, in multiple ways for his kingdom. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Brother. God, bless, God you. bless you. Take care. Well, I hope that interview with Dr. Keener was as fascinating to you as it was to me. I uh, so appreciate his time in joining us on a day with an ice storm looming and just the fact that Dr. Keener is a busy man to uh, hop on the show with us and share is just deeply appreciated. I want to encourage you to check out Dr. Keener's books. You spell his name Craig, C-R-A-I-G with a C, and Keener is K-E-E-N-E-R. I highly recommend Miracles Today. 
You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Audible. And you can get it other places books are sold. I guarantee you, if you listen to that book, it is going to be revolutionary and life-changing for you. Just hearing miracle after miracle after miracle, and not just from secondhand stories that somebody's aunt forwarded to them via email or whatever, but these miracle stories and miracle testimonies Dr. Keener has gone to the effort of researching these, interviewing doctors and eyewitnesses and things like that. And they are compelling and fascinating. And I can't recommend the book highly enough. One of my favorite books over the last few years. Well, that's it for this episode. But we are going to continue our discussion on miracles in episode number three of the Deep Questions podcast. I hope you will stick around for that. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And remember to tell a friend and share the show with them and invite other people to join with us. And if you got time, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And hey, thank you for listening. Please do check out our website when you have a chance, deepquestionspod.com. Stay tuned. We will see you in the same feed in a couple of days. Good day to you and Godspeed.